This is the Gospel for Life, where we have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. Around the table today is Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Jonathan Van Hoogen from Dayspring United Reformed Church, Vinnie Hanke from Valley Life Community Church, and Ryan Hemphill from Treasure Valley Reformed Presbyterian Church. To catch earlier broadcasts, just search The Gospel for Life wherever you subscribe. To find out more about this ministry and about our annual conference, go to ReformationBoise.com. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome back to The Gospel for Life. Uh, Joining me in studio today, along with Pastor Jonathan and Russ, is Mr. Brandon Lockridge, an elder and vice president of our board at Valley Life Community Church. Good morning, Brandon. Good morning. But Russ is not here, though. Russ is not here. Did I say that? You said Russ, but you oh, meant sorry. Ryan. I meant oh. Ryan. Gosh. You know, when you get two <laughs> handsome men who look so much alike, as Russ and Ryan clearly I'm do. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm hurt. <laughs> sorry about that, buddy. Well, Russ is out, but Ryan is here, along with Jonathan and Brandon. Yes. Thanks, buddy, for cleaning that up. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully that'll be all you have to clean up today. Uh, hey, if you've got questions, or you've got comments, or you've got insights, or you've got things we'd, you want us to talk about as four pastors here in the Treasure Valley, uh, we'd love to hear from you. And so you can email us at thegospelforlifeidaho at gmail.com. Uh, the only rule is we ask you to be kind. Uh, also, we are working on getting that Reformation Boise Conference uh, content up online. We had a few technical staffus, so be patient, dear listener. And uh, we had a great time at the conference. There's some great content coming your way. Uh, you just be a little, little patient with us. We'll, we'll make sure we let you know as soon as we get that up and loaded. Until then, uh, for your listening pleasure and hopefully theological edification today, we're going to finish up our series called Five Things About Five Theologians. Uh, we have covered Ulrich Zwingli, Martin Luther, John Calvin, Charles Spurgeon, and now we turn our attention uh, to one of the authors of The Great Awakening, uh, the great Jonathan Edwards, as we celebrate Reformation Month, not just uh, Reformed theologians, but also those who were influenced by the Reformation truth. Jonathan Edwards being one of them. So, this comes from an article by Jeremy Kimball dated December 1st, 2017, and he makes note that, interestingly, Jonathan Edwards pastored his first church when he was just 18 years old. But also, he also mentions that he was a recent graduate of Yale. You know, back then, people actually studied. <laughs> you, know, they, you know, it's like, uh, I, I didn't go to college till I was 21, you know, so... These are the you know there are differences of the time period and that um he did pastor for a period of time in a Presbyterian church in New York uh, for about eight months and uh, enjoyed that time he was actually invited back to to teach after after that in the college setting so uh, he was he's considered one of the greatest minds that were ever produced in in American history I mean yeah. even to this day I mean his his acumen is theological understanding philosophical and as a naturalist even even things that he had studied as a young man it had were used by naturalists 200 years afterwards we talked about this a little bit the other day uh when we talked about john calvin and the fact that he wrote his magnum opus the institutes at just 27 years old and just the idea that these guys are doing such incredible things 
at at such a young age and you know i made the joke off mic that these guys didn't have netflix back then you know yeah. so right. they didn't have anything else to do you know yeah. <laughs> right. they didn't have their xboxes or their switches or yeah. anything like that yeah. yeah fewer distractions uh when speaking about his time there um even it was just a period of time of eight months there at the presbyterian church mm-hmm. but he said this is one of the things i appreciate about this he said my heart seemed to sink within me at leaving the family and city where I enjoyed so many sweet and pleasant days, yeah. uh, even from a young age, just a, a, a tender heart for the church and a great experience. Yeah, I think that we ca- we kind of look at these men as being just studious people, but they were full rounded men. Yeah. You know, they were they were men of character, and uh, you can see the pastoral quality of Jonathan Edwards even at uh, this young age in mm-hmm. that particular pulpit. Mm-hmm. As we keep thinking about uh, Jonathan Edwards, uh, he was a key player in the first Great Awakening. Yes. Uh, what happened to Jonathan Edwards, he would later go on you know, at the age of 26. He was uh, ordained to be an assistant pastor at a congrega- congregational uh, church in Northampton, Massachusetts, which was his grandfather, Solomon Stoddard's church. And uh, it was there. He he actually followed Solomon Stoddard in the pulpit there. And uh you know, part of his challenges there was that uh, you know he was looking for the, uh, a moral and religious transformation of the people, and uh, he began to he began to preach repentance. You know, there was a habit of people coming to the Lord's table uh, that weren't even believers, and mm-hmm. uh, you know they claimed that right just to, simply because they were born into the into the church and. He rightly pointed to, to the truth that you know this was this was a sustaining grace that is given to us mm. as believers, and those who are unbelievers were responsible to examine themselves before they could even come to that table. And mm-hmm. so he, you know, this was part of that reformation, you might say, the revival, preaching sin and salvation in the same breath. Uh, the law and the gospel, the one that convicted and condemned and the other that freed and, and made us uh, joyful servants of Christ. Yeah, Not only the, the spiritual impact of for that generation, but also I think Edward's writings about it, his faithful telling the story and then giving the narrative of it. And then one of the things that, that comes out of this is because he wrote on revival is we can use some of Edward's writings as a standard for assessing revival today. It is yeah. not emotionalism, it is not fervor, but rather it's a passion for the gospel, and it leads among people to repentance and faith. Those are the true signs of mm-hmm. revival, is repentance and faith. It's not a large gathering or not, or not uh, an emotionalism that stirs up the affections of people, but it's rather it's genuine life transformation. Yeah, it was the work of the Holy Spirit yes. in, in, in people. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, an interesting fact about uh, Jonathan Edwards as well, and I didn't know this one before reading the article, uh, was that he served as a missionary and president of mm-hmm. Princeton before his death. So later in his life, after his pastoral ministry, he even served well, as president of the college. Well, what, hap- what happened to Jonathan Edwards was what he, he served for uh, something like 23 years at this church in Northampton. And then uh, while there, the, with the revival that broke out and that 
there was also within there, you know, whenever the spirit of God is moving, there's also the spirit, there's another spirit that moves. And there was a group of uh, people in his church that started substantiated rumors uh, against him, you know, lies that were demonstrated much later. And he was driven out of that church. He was asked to leave that church. And he ended up going to Stockbridge, Massachusetts, which is, was a place on the frontier in the in in the 1700s. Mm-hmm. He's out on the frontier. Um, it's uh, he begins to as a missionary. He's ministering to the Indians. Mm-hmm. He actually, you know, wherever he is, he's going to preach the gospel. And mm-hmm. and the congregation that he gathered there were largely the Indian population there, the Native Americans, and. It was at this time that he actually had the time to write down yeah. a lot of the things that we, you know, if you've ever picked up the works of Jonathan Edwards, Banner of Truth has a two-volume mm-hmm. uh, set of the works, and it's very fine print. You know, it could be in much, uh, many more volumes there, but, uh, you know, this is where a lot of that, his theological understanding yeah. was written down. But he was serving as a missionary there, and he served there for eight years. Interestingly enough, the very people that it bothered in Northampton actually ended up in, in Stockbridge, so he had to yeah. he had to preach to his accusers there too. Mm. Yeah, mm. so he took he takes on he what in a note on that just Jonathan Edwards, you know, we've talked before about when you read, for example, Calvin or if you read through Spurgeon, a little bit of an easier read. Calvin or um, Edwards is is a tough read too. So not only is that small is that small print, you know, in those volumes uh, difficult, but but Edwards is a little bit more of a difficult read. We had talked earlier about Luther writing the bondage of the will, and there was a title that Jonathan Edwards wrote called the freedom, freedom of the will. will. Mm-hmm. And if you understand the two books, they are actually saying the exact same yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. You know, our will is free, but it's also bound. It's bound by our own inclinations. And uh, so those those things are come out in the writings of, of both Luther and Jonathan Edwards. Yeah. yeah. I heard a, a summary of the two works in this sentence is, is that uh, your will is free to choose according to your nature. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And right. so it's that requirement of the new nature in Christ that enables us then to experience true freedom. One of the interesting things about him uh, being becoming president of Princeton was that the fact that he didn't want it. He didn't feel like he was worthy for that post, and so he was very reluctant to take that position. And he and he and he was only there for a short time because uh, you know he also he had a concern. This was a period of time when uh, smallpox was going around, and uh, he actually he actually was uh, inoculated with a smallpox vaccine, which uh, ended up killing him, mm-hmm. and uh, and that so he died uh, very early on in his life. Jonathan alluded to it, but one of the other interesting things is that that pastor that pastor that he did hold that he was he was fired by the church that he served the in, longest in Northampton. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we talked about that. So let's move on to the the fifth and final uh, attribute is that his his legacy of knowing and delighting in the glory of God continues to resonate in the church today. I mean, this is you know hundreds of years later, and we're still talking about Edwards and his work. Well, I think you've seen over the past twenty years for sure a a revitalization of reformed theology. You know, I remember, you know, growing up as, you know, in the late nineties when I was in high school and stuff, I, I'd never, 
I'd never heard anything about Reformed theology. I didn't know any any of this at all existed or what this was. But over you know the past 15, 20 years, there's really been this resurgence. And men like Edwards, Calvin, Luther, they're, they're coming back and people are reading them. And there is sort of this revival that's happening. For many mm-hmm. people, that, that gateway came through um, men like John Piper. And right. John Piper gateway is Jonathan Edwards. In fact, he writes about Jonathan Edwards probably more than any popular writer today. He constantly references Jonathan Edwards and and that. Even in our own studio, Josh Bales. You know, you ask him mm-hmm. who's who's your favorite theologian. He's going to say Jonathan Edwards. And I've seen him with his volumes of uh, those Banner of Truth volumes right. on uh, the complete works of Jonathan Edwards, and he's got them all marked up. Because there was so much richness that is told there, and it, and he and he truly did uh, delight in the glory of God. He said early on in his life that he hated the sovereignty of God. This was his teenage years, and he finally came to a full understanding of who who God was. And as a result, that was the thing that he wanted to proclaim was God's glory, His Majesty. And once he realized how majestic and glorious God was, he had no problem with the fact that he was in control of everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he was one of these theologians that really wrestled with the understanding of the sovereignty of God. So anybody that has ever really struggled through this or wrestled through this, you read through Edwards, you find great comfort in knowing that here's this incredible mind who went through the same exact thing. Well, we hope this series has both encouraged you and informed you about uh, some of the great Reformed theologians that exist throughout church history. I know I can speak for Russ when I say this, is that church history is a mine uh, to be sought after, and you will find jewels of treasure of knowledge and encouragement there. Uh, Again, if you've got questions, insights, thoughts, things for us to consider as a show, topics we can cover for you, please email us at thegospelforlifeidaho at gmail.com. As always, thanks for listening, and God bless you.